Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. How often do you look, and, and when you look, how are you looking? And so here's what Hebrews eleven six 6 says. God rewards those who diligently seek him. Psalm 63, 1 says, God, you are my God. This is David. God, you're my God. I earnestly seek you. And 1 Chronicles 16, 11 says that I am to seek God's face. Always, God, I always come. I always seek your face. And so how we look is diligently, earnestly, and always, because this is the number one relationship. If my number one relationship on earth is Heather, then I need to be in relationship and in um, communication with her on a regular basis. If I only talk to her once a day, then, then our relationship isn't going to be very good, right? Psalms 9, 10 says this, to confirm how we actually seek God. It says, to those who know your name, trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And so, know, trust, seek, right? So that's how we come. So then, those who know you, trust you, and they trust you because they know you, but there's trust and there's love there, there's relationship, because there's been exchange, if that makes sense. And so, to earnestly, always, diligently seek means we're doing this daily. It's a daily relationship. It's a daily walk, right? And so then, now, how do we look? We should be looking with expectation, right? And we'll talk about relationship building here in just a second, but Matthew 6, I reference this all the time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his holiness, how he sees you. Seek first God and how he sees you, and he'll add everything to you. That's what that scripture says basically summed up. And so, so then when we look, here's how we're looking. We're looking patiently. That's Micah 7, 7. I will look to the Lord and I will patiently wait for him. We're going to look focused. We're looking focused. The reason I'm not making these bullet points is because there's going to be 10 bullet points coming in just a second, okay? And I look focused because that's Colossians 3, 2. We talked about that last week. Set your mind and your heart on things above, focused on the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And we look with assurance, which is the expectation. We're pretty we're not just pretty sure, like Tracy Morgan would say in that sweet insurance commercial. We are assured, we are confident, we are expecting that God's going to do something. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And so God's will for your life on earth is for it to be as it will be in heaven. Everybody said amen. And so then that's why we pray Matthew 6.10, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it will be in heaven. And so when we look to God, we look with a devotion and an attention to him because he's the, he's the guy. He's the author, the founder, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. So we look not because of what we see, but what is unseen, because it's a conviction and a belief in our heart. And so when we look and how we look comes down to our success in life, right? You guys have all heard this. If you think about it for a second, you can trace all of your successes on the face of this earth to the people that you know, because it's not what you know, it's it's who you know. Isn't it always who you know? But we're going to go and spend, you know, X amount of dollars on something to say, look at what I know. But the reality is when it comes down to it, we're going to go to the relationships, to the people that we know, right? And so you really have to ask yourself this, am I investing my time wisely in the right relationships? Am I investing my time wisely in the right relationships? You think about it, there's 168 hours in a week, 
40 of them or 60, then depending on how much you like to work, you sell them to somebody else. So then you only have a limited amount of time after work to invest in whatever is around you, right? Knowing that your days are made up of routine, 40% of your day is always shot by routine. That doesn't count the extracurricular hobby things that you like to do. And so then are you investing your time wisely in the right relationship? Is the number one relationship you have in your life God? And I think your step here is huge. So today, I hope that you're leaving different, but you're taking, you're taking a step towards God by being here this morning. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So then as you ask yourself, what's the number one relationship I invest in? We're, we're talking about resetting your relationship today. So then seek first God and his, and his will for your life and everything will be added to you. Now, when you think about other relationships, let's say, well, no, Dusty, it's not, or yes, it is. Or I really want to think about the relationships I do invest in. What is the number one relationship? Did you invest in that relationship to gain something? Was there an exchange that was going to be made or was it 100% like I post this picture of me kissing Heather on our wedding day and I always go 100 and she's like minus two like because I'm pretty strong and maybe overbearing a little bit. And so I come in like a big grizzly bear. Are you going 100 in your relationships, in your relationship with God or... Or are you trying to meet halfway? Is there, a, is there a middle marker? And so you don't gain trust and depth in relationship accidentally. There's a lot of purpose in it, right? Odds are you're going to invest in the relationships that you care about, right? You make time for what's important to you. And so real relationships take time. Otherwise, they're just acquaintances. They're just something that we do in passing to say that we did. Well, you know, I talked to him today or her today. And so what you need to understand, and, and I think we all grasp, is God is not meant to be an acquaintance in our life. It's not, oh, we don't stumble into a great relationship with God. You just don't, right? We have to be devoted. We have to be intentional to prioritize our time and our engagement with him. Now, the crazy thing is this. None of us in this room view relationship building as a job, as something that we have to do or a duty that we have to keep up with. As a matter of fact, I like spending time with the people I like spending time with. I don't view that as work. It's never work. But for some reason, when it comes to building a relationship with God, we see it as work. It's heavy. It's a have to. It's boring. It's, I know that book. I've heard that scripture. I've sang that song. I've, I have sat in quiet time. I don't need to be open. I've got it all figured out. And when it comes time to building a relationship with God, it's so much different than building a relationship with people, but really it's not. Really, it's not. And so we love to spend time with the people that we're around because we get something from it. And God's the same way. There's got to be an expectation when we come to him, right? You love being around the people that you love. And by the way, it's okay to say to God, I love you, Lord. God, thank you so much. I love you. I love you. And so if we looked at relationship building as something we had to do, then most of us wouldn't have any friends at all. Because, uh, well, I have to meet with him or her, or I have to go to this thing again. And if you looked at it as a have to, it wouldn't be a get to. There wouldn't be an exchange or anything to come. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. You love to be around the people who make you better, right? Investing in a real relationship requires love, trust, and devotion. And devotion. And that's what Acts 2 is really saying. The, the first church came together and they broke bread together and they devoted themselves to what we're doing today. The scripture, the teaching to the apostles way. And so there has to be devotion, relationship, discipleship and devotion, and devotion, right? And so it's not a transaction. It's going to be hard to make friends with somebody if every time that you in, interact or engage, you think somebody needs something or you're, or you're only talking to them to get something. So 
That's why it was pretty easy for me to stay home this year. It's the first year we stayed home on Thanksgiving ever. And the culture in my family was, was not that. If I get a call from somebody in my house, it means somebody wants something. It's not, it's not a check-in. It's not, how are you? It's not, what can I do? It's not, hey, are you okay? It's, hey, I need you to come here and move this because you're bigger than I am. That's pretty much what it always comes down to, right? And so it's going to be hard to make friends if, if every time we're in, in an engagement, there's, it's transactional and not relational, right? And so the same is true in our relationship with God. It's not going to happen on its own. It's a two-way street. And so that's why spiritual disciplines are so important. They're so important. The reality is we don't always feel like reading our Bible. Again, it looks like work. We don't always feel like worshiping. By the way, worship in your car is a lot different than worship in your basement with no distractions. We don't always feel like journaling. I don't always feel like sitting and reflecting. I don't always feel like writing down all the crap that I'm going through, but I do. I have to. I feel that I have to. It's in me. I am convicted about engaging in my relationship with God, so much so that there are daily disciplines I engage in every single day because I know it's my life. And the health that I walk out of my house with every morning, regardless of all the circumstances that are coming around Christmas time, by the way, this is just it. I have three bank cards. All of them got hit by fraud. So right now in my wallet, I have one card. It's the church card. So I have, it's Christmas. It's going to take them seven to 11 days to send me new cards. On Friday, all three of my cards got hit for fraud. So they're all canceled and I'm waiting in the mail and it's Christmas. So I can be like, crap, how am I going to shop for my kids? It's all good. It's all good. So I can let that affect me and take me down this path and be downer Dave. I can just be like, it's all good. God has it. Thankfully, because I can sit in a moment with him and be like, hey, the only thing that matters really right now is I'm healthy. My house is healthy. My kids are healthy. My wife is healthy. All is good. We've recycled some Christmas lights this year and our house looks amazing. We didn't spend a dime. It's amazing. Okay. And so then I can, I can engage in daily discipline with God every day in that relationship, disciplined relationship. Some people think discipline's a hard word. It's really not. The more disciplined you are, the better your life is, right? It's consistency. And so just because you don't always feel like it doesn't mean it's not important because your daily discipline leads to transformed desire in that relationship, in that relationship. So I've got this rule with Heather that she's always going to be the last person I text. That's really hard because I have about 746 text messages right now. And so how do I find Heather at the top? Regardless of what's going on, I've created some shortcuts. If you don't know what shortcuts are, they will change your life. So if I want to tell Heather I love you, I just type in I-L-Y and it gives all these emojis, this beautiful phrase, and it keeps her there. She's at the front. There's, there's, I have about 12 of those, okay? Now, when I get my text out, when, I, when somebody texts me, we're there. But the relationship is so important to me that I want to see her name first because she needs to know that she is first. God's the same way. He needs to know that he is first in your life. And so how you do that is daily discipline, right? And so then whenever I get my phone out, which I don't know where it's on the seat. Whenever I get my phone out, if Heather's not in those top six, there's an issue. And I know, wow, I haven't talked to Heather in, I don't know how long this thread's been going, but I haven't talked to Heather in a minute. So I will immediately go, hey girl, I love you so much, whatever. I need to get her back because she's the number one thing in my life, right? I had to learn that the hard way, by the way. So daily discipline with God, if that, if that devotion is going to be transformed into a desire, it's going to take consistency. And so for me and my relationship with God, just being 100% transparent, it seriously started with less than three minutes a day. And I knew that if I would just commit those, 
those minutes, it was Proverbs. It was a daily proverb. That's what I started with. If I would commit that time, that God would spark something in my heart to go and grow more. And so then I committed to three minutes and God did his part. And guys, there are days I can sit for hours with God because I started with three minutes. Now you say, I don't have hours. I'm not telling you to take hours. I'm saying engage in a relationship with God. Reset your relationship with God. Because one of my favorite quotes is this, motivation will get you started, but habit will keep you going. Habit is what keeps you going, good or bad, right? You're going to develop habits in your life. 40% of your day is taken up by your daily habits. And so you're going to create healthy habits or poor habits. What you don't want is uphill hope with downhill habits. Because that means you're always reaching and looking to where you want to go, but your habits are taking you away from it. That makes sense. And so then healthy habits is the way to go. Develop healthy habits because behind that habit is the motivation that you started with. And behind that motivation is a memory. And if you know God, you've, you've actually asked Jesus into your heart and, and you prayed the prayer of salvation, then that moment, that memory is really what motivates you to keep those healthy habits. And if your memory is your motivation, then that's what fuels your devotion. And devotion is that relationship with God. And so if we look to him every day with expectation, you have to understand that he not just wants that for me, but he wants it for you. He wants it for everybody on the face of the earth. God wants relationship with everybody on the face of the earth. And I have to say that you don't come into a relationship with God or begin a relationship or walk in a relationship because you have to. That's not your heart. That's your head. I don't come to my time of reading in the morning, whether it be a version devotional or a Bible study or from the, from the pages itself, I don't come to there knowing I got to gain something today. If I don't gain something today, I step into that for the pure enjoyment of reading because I understand that God's going to give me something today. But if I approach with, what are you going to give me today? It's likely I won't see it and I'll be upset and bored and be like, I don't need to read this, right? And so we see the result. Um, I'm going to shift a little bit. Jesus had incredible devotion. He was the most devoted person that ever walked the face of the earth. He was super disciplined. And during his time of temptation in Matthew chapter 4, this is 40 days of fasting in the desert, which is real devotion, by the way. I, I couldn't do that. We might be in the desert here just a little bit, but 40 days of fast, that means no food. By the way, my worship leader um, a long time ago decided that she was going to do this. And on day 13, she was purple and she looked pretty much dead. And I said, Laura, because I love you, gum's not going to do it for you anymore, okay? It's time to go to lunch. You're not Jesus, Okay. You're not Jesus. And so, and she took me up on it because she could barely walk. And I knew there was no way that she was going to make it another 28 days, right? So then when Jesus in the desert, he's tempted, the devil tempts him three different times. He tries to test him and really push the limits. And each time Jesus overcame that testing with the power of scripture, it was what he believed in his heart because he knew what his father's will was. He overcame lies and deception with truth. And that's because he had the relationship with his, with his father, right? Which who is, who is God. So then Jesus knew that to withstand the enemy, he had to have good in his heart. I had to have the truth in my heart, right? And that only happened because he invested regular time with his father. If God sent Jesus to the earth and he was like, see you, see you on that day, whenever that day is, just let me know. I'll be here. Like, we're, we're cool. And he never invested. He wouldn't have overcame. But because he knew the will of his father... He was invested and there was relationship. And so in those times he would go away to pray, that's where he was staying connected to, to his father, right? 
And so that's how we stay connected. That's how we overcome trials in our life. It's not theory, it's truth. Well, they said, who cares about they? If it's not rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not going to work, right? It might provide some relief. I might get just a little bit of help. But at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. And that didn't work again because I went on theory, not on truth. And so then we overcome by truth. So then back to the original question, how often are you investing in your time with God? Because if we're going to reset that relationship, it needs to become top priority again. How often are you intentionally learning truth so you can overcome the battles in your life. Because it's going to go back to that, right? Our kids this week, um, I started having Oscar. Our kids read Proverbs every day, and they come to me, and they tell me what they read. It's pretty awesome. And I should probably start recording them, because the stuff I learned from my kids is pretty amazing. And Oscar had a question. I said, you know what? You, sh- you should start learning about Jesus. It's probably good time. You're fixing to be 12. You should probably start in the Gospels, because you've been through Proverbs quite a few times. And, and this is something they do. So this is not like a, hey, you have to read this every morning. This is, hey, when you get up, have some time with God because you need your faith, not my faith. My faith will will get you to some point, but you're going to bail probably about 17 or 18 if you don't have your own faith and you don't believe in your own own God, who who God is to you. And so he starts reading to Matthew and he comes and he he gives us Matthew 121 this week, which is amazing. And it talks about Jesus and and it's, it's the birth story. And I say that to say, it's his engagement. That's not me saying, hey, I want you to read Matthew 121 today, and I want you to tell me exactly what it says, and I want you to tell me what, it said, what, what that meant to you. It's not that. It's getting up willingly to engage in a relationship with God because he knows he's his creator, right? And so then we have to engage regularly. Do you, do you recognize or have you recognized that you need to create a healthy habit of engagement with God, which means prayer, reading, Worship, there's a, there's a couple things in that, right? Do you need to focus on spending time in prayer every day? Do we do that on the way to work while we're flipping somebody the bird in traffic because they just cut me off? It's probably not the best prayer, right? And so do you want to connect with God through worship or gratitude? Do you connect with God out? There are so many people because we live in Colorado. So many people believe and, and go connect with God out at the reservoir or on the ski hill or wherever, fly fishing, Right? And so we never accidentally stumble. I say all that to say, you don't accidentally stumble into a relationship with God, especially your creator. You can, you can pretend to stumble into a relationship with somebody in this room, right? Well, I met her and she was awesome. And, and like, I remember the first time I talked to Heather, she was, she was standing at the, if you've ever been to Texas Roadhouse, when you make the round, you come and you check in right here and there's some fresh steak right here. And there's a doorway that you go in. She was standing right at that doorway and I said, hey, don't work too hard. And she didn't hear me because it's loud and, and Tim McGraw's on the, on the jukebox. And, and so I was like, wow, I just, got, I just got shunned by that chick. And she didn't hear me. And I still give her a hard time about it today. Like, I didn't stumble into that. Guess what? I talked to her again. And then I talked to her again. I kept dropping seeds till one day I decided to stay after and talk to her for real while she wiped down menus, Right. All that to say, I didn't stumble into that. You don't stumble into any great relationship, especially the one with your creator. And so what God put on my heart for you today is to talk about the devotion of David, okay? The devotion of David, Acts 13, 22 says, and this is God, he says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who's conforming to my will and purposes, who will do all of my will, who will do everything I've asked him to, completely obedience, Acts 13, 22. And if you know anything about David, which 
It's okay if you don't. But he was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a scumbag, but he was the king. But he was the king. And what you need to know is God still saw good in him, even though he did all that trash and was that way and did those things. I want to tell you, God still sees good in you today. God still sees good in you today. Well, I don't see good in me. It doesn't matter. It's not your call. It's not your call. God still sees good in you. God saw good in David. And it's why he's considered a man after God's own heart, because even through all the trash and the trouble and the adultery and the murderer and, and all of that stuff, he still knew that God was number one and that God reigned. We should all be called the same by God, right? That should be pretty much the hope of everybody here, that God would look to me and look to you and say, that's a person after my heart. That's a person after my will. So let's look a little bit deeper at David's daily devotion and what we can take uh, from him to become better ourselves in our engagement, in our relationship with God, so we can hit that reset button with him, especially as we move into Christmas and remember who Jesus was and why he came, but into our new year. And so if we pay attention to scripture, David describes his heart and devotion in his own writings. And so I'm going to hit these pretty quick. There are 10 of them. They will be on the screen. So if you want a screenshot, you totally can. And the goal is that we would adopt these principles. Now you said, Dusty, you just said 10. One, that's a great expectation that I have for you. But two, maybe only one of them stick out. And I just want you to highlight one because everybody's going to hear them very differently. And everybody's, everybody defines these words very differently too, right? And so let's hop into number one. The first thing that David was is David was humble. David was humble. There's humility. Pride comes before a fall. David was humble. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. This is the most important thing we can be, by the way. And he knew that he had shortcomings and faults and failures and, and blah, but he was humble. Here's what he says in Psalm 62, verse 9. Low, bit, low born men are but a breath and high born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing together. They are only a breath. They're the same people. And what David's warning us against right here when he's talking about being humble is you should not put your trust in men, rich or poor, low or high, good or bad. Trusting in people is going to let you down every time. That's a good Proverbs, Proverbs 26, 5, I believe. The reality is the multitude of those of low degree are changeable as the wind, right? People come and go. And the rich and the noble seem to have a lot of power, right? And they have great promises and they speak a lot of good, and we, and we take what they say as gold because, well, they have a lot of money and that's who I know and because I know them, right? But those that depend on either are always disappointed, are always disappointed because weighed in the balance of scripture of truth of who God says he is and who God says you are, it's only vanity. Those people are only out for themselves. You get anybody know people like that? Dang it, right? So even David being King David didn't think too highly of himself. He was extremely humble because he knew God is the one who brings promotion. God brings promotion. The second thing he was was reverent. Reverent. Psalms 18.3 says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. What David understands is God is the ultimate. He's the ultimate. It's a privilege to meet with the maker of heaven and earth, the person who put me here. It's a privilege. And so there's respect. This also doubles as the word fear, and people think that word fear, that's what keeps them from growing in their relationship with God, because they're like, wow, I'm not good enough. Do all this bad stuff. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna amount to that. And so then I'll just be afraid and sit over here and hope that lightning doesn't strike. And God is not a mob boss. He loves you. He's your creator, and He sees good in you. 
And so David came in, he was reverent, he was respectful. The third thing is he was respectful. Here's what he says in Psalms 31, 9. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. David knows exactly where he is. Regardless of our position, we should always know our place. And our place is second next to God who is first, right? He was trusting number four. He was trusting. This is Psalms 27.1. If you want homework today, you want to go a little bit farther, read Psalms 27. It's my favorite Psalm. It covers all of these. I'm just going a little bit deeper with you. Nothing beats a man who trusts God with his life, period. That's what Psalms 27 is, right? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Just me and you, Lord. Matthew 6, 3, seek first God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. There it is, nailed down with Psalms 27, 1. The fifth thing he was, was loving. Loving, we're talking about resetting our relationship today. I love you, I love you, oh Lord, you are my strength. I told you earlier, it's okay to tell God that you love him. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Numerous times, David lets us know where his heart is for God. David is constantly coming back and saying, Lord, here I am. You know my heart. Psalms 139 is probably my favorite Psalms. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my concerns. Most people don't want to ask for that test, right? Know my concerns. Know my concerns. If you do everything that you can do and you do it perfectly, but you don't do it with love, you have done nothing. You've done nothing. That's scripture. And so your time with God is solely about your love for him, not what he can do for you or what you can do for him. Period. The sixth thing that he was, was devoted. We've talked about devoted quite a few times. Psalms 4, 7 says, you have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. Regardless of how good I have it, regardless of how good I have it or how much I have of it, my heart is still yours, God. I'm devoted. I'm devoted. The seventh thing he did was honored. He was very honoring. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders at Psalms 9.1. What's he saying? There's nobody better. There's nobody bigger. There's nobody more important. There's nobody greater than you, God. He's very honoring. It's great to kind of get a recap of the Psalms this morning because if you read all of them, it would take you months, okay? Verse eight, he was faithful, or number eight, he was faithful. This is Psalms 23.6. And it says, surely the goodness of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. That means every day, forever is, is eternity, right? And so here's what he's saying. Steady, consistent, committed. I know that I know. I believe that I believe. It's a conviction in my heart. The best place for me, God, is with you, and it's where I'm going to be every day of my life. That's what he's saying in Psalms 23. The ninth thing he was, was obedient. We're coming, to a, we're coming to a close. He was obedient. In Psalm 119, he says, give me understanding and I will keep your law and I will obey it with all of my heart. Not my mind, not with what I know, but with what I believe about you because the truth is what sets me free, right? That's Psalms 119.34. So then in obedience, we have to be learners, right? We have to seek. And in seeking, it's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and we're going to do that daily. We're going to invest in this relationship. We're going to invest time because it's going to help me build Christ-like character, which allows me to build my life on the truth as opposed to theory, right? Verse number 10, he was repentant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. I saved this for last because it really needs to be up there at the top. Repentant and humble kind of partner each other. They hold hands together a lot. Admit when you're wrong. Say, I'm sorry. 
say you're sorry from your heart, not because you know you should. I used to apologize from Heather. Like I would say, um, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> that, was the, that was the way to get around. That's really not me saying I'm sorry. I'm saying, I'm sorry you feel that way, right? That, that's from my head because I know I should say sorry. And I know you want sorry. So let me just give you sorry from my mind, not from my heart. We come with our whole heart to God, right? And so we say, we say we're sorry and we let our actions match our words. So then let all repentance be led with your heart, not your head. David was repentant. David was a man after God's own heart because he demonstrated his faith and was committed to following. He was committed to following even when he messed up, even when he didn't see himself as good or good enough, he still followed. He's a great example. David is a great example of how we're to be devoted. These are the 10. Now listen, you say, that's a lot. I, don't, I can't even read that, Dusty. There's too much on there. It's okay. Find the one thing. Why it's still on the screen, find the one thing that you can, that you can be. These are be attitudes. Find the one thing you can be that's going to help you engage and reset your relationship with God. This is, this is the action step today right here, right? We want to find the one thing that we can be. So if you want to screenshot that, you totally can. If you want it later, email me, dusty at thegrovefc.com, and I'll email it to you. So then I'm going to close with this. When it comes to resetting your relationship with God, I'll remind you of one thing, one thing. It's John 15, verses 14 through 15, and it says this, God calls you a friend. He says that you're a friend. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends because everything I have learned, everything I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. You're my friends. You're my friends. This is Jesus saying, I'm coming a hundred. I'm coming a hundred. You're my friend. And if you are my friends, you'll do. It's obedience. You do what I've commanded. Command's a tough word, right? Commandments aren't that bad when we're willing to follow. If you're willing to follow, it's not really a commandment. It's, hey, this is better. For, I see this as better for my life, right? And the most important and valuable relationship that you can have in your life is the one who's came all the way to call you a friend. That's it. That's it. He's already all in. He's already said, hey, this is, here's all my chips. I don't gamble, but here's all my chips. I'm going in on you. You're my friend. And here's, here it is. I'm all in on you, right? Henry Ford said this, not to follow Jesus up with Henry Ford, but he said, your best friend is the one who brings out the best within you. I don't know anybody on the face of the earth who can bring out the best in you like the one who created you. That's it. That's it. The only person who knows you, knows every hair on your head, knows your thumbprints, okay? Besides somebody down in county, okay? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's what it means to be in relationship, is to know this guy. This guy can bring out the best of me. If I'll only engage, if I'll only reset, if I'll only come back. Come back to our belief. Come back to the heart of God's what scripture says. Because the reality is this. You want somebody that's around you, your, your, your worldly, earthly relationships. You want people around you who make you better. The ones who suck you down and drag you down and are an anchor are exhausting. And you get tired of pulling them around. And because you have a heart, you go, well, one more time. But it doesn't take long before you're exhausted and malnourished. You haven't been connected. Matter of fact, you've been disconnected. And you go far away. And all of a sudden, you let the anchor start keeping you right in that spot, right? God brings you freedom from that. This happens. The only way that happens is this. The scripture tells you this, that Jesus is closer than a brother. That means he's always with you. It's not by what you see, it's by what you believe, right? 
He makes you better. He's the one who sharpens you. He's the one who sharpens you. It's gotta be a daily engagement in my relationship though. This happens through that investment in my relationship with him because I believe not what I know. Guys, I know so many people who know this thing so good. I know people in their 60s who believe longer than I've been alive and they struggle with the most elementary stuff because they know it and they don't believe it. They don't believe it. And if you just say, come on, man, that's not what God said. That's not what God says about you. That's not what God said about the situation. They get offended and they run far away. They're only an acquaintance. Because if you go here with truth and they don't wanna hear truth and they choose offense, the devil works two ways, fear and offense. That's how he divides every one of you. Get you afraid or get you offended. If I can, if I can make you afraid or if I can offend you, we'll never talk again. That's how the devil uses people. That's it. And so here's your thought. As a Christian or a believer, the greatest part of the battle is knowing and coming back to your heart, your three-part soul, your spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body, right? Is to come back to your heart and what you know, it's your why. God put everybody here for relationship first. It's relationship with him first and then everything else, right? So then what is one spiritual discipline? Dennis, will you put that slide back up with those 10, the 10 points? What's the one thing, what's the one spiritual discipline? What's the one healthy habit that you can identify from this list that you can begin right now to grow in your relationship with God? Your action step is simple, start, start, start. Spend intentional time this week praying about the one thing that's on this list. One thing that you can devote yourself to so you can gain not just spiritual discipline, but relationship with God that increases your devotion. So you can know God in a deeper way. So you can walk with a little bit more confidence. So you can grow in your relationship with him. What does that mean? That means reading my Bible. It means reading my Bible. Where do I start? If you want to know about Jesus and the example we're to follow, you start in the Gospels. That's the New Testament. It's the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You can start there. If you're more of a type A bullet-pointed guy, Proverbs is right in the middle of the Bible. It's just wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We have to gain that as believers. That's the book where you find it. It's Proverbs. If you need to pray, Dusty, I don't know how to pray. That's totally okay. You can go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. You can start praying that. But when that becomes routine and you have it memorized, like I have your um, dismissal memorized, you need to go to something else. You need to start using your own words. And well, I, I, I can only talk for two seconds. That's good. Simply say thank you. I love to do this. When I wake up in the morning before my feet hit the board, floor, I go, thank you. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed for anybody. Thank you. I get to be a husband again today. I get to be a dad again today. I get to be a leader, pastor, a friend. I get to be these things again today. Thank you. That can be your prayer. Super simple. Worship, a lot of guys, a lot of manly men, tough guys don't like to worship. Worship is so good because it gets your focus off of you and it puts it on the guy who made you. And so worship is good. That has to start in your car, it does. There's nothing like worship alone. That's why we still sing here. We have to sing because it's the one thing that gets our attention off of us, right? If you like to write, there are questions you can ask yourself to reflect. Writing and reflecting is huge. Silence is amazing. Silence is amazing. It drove me nuts, but silence is amazing because you can actually listen because God speaks in whispers. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.